welcome to the Modern Bloke Podcast. We're a community of blokes sharing our vulnerabilities and our expertise to help develop our capabilities to be better blokes. The aim of this is to improve our mental health, blokes culture and society. So let's get into it. Okay, welcome to another another episode of The Modern Bloke with Sean Coffin, um, your host. Just here talking to a legend in the men's growth space, Lachlan Stewart. Um, Lockie, as he's known to his friends. Um, he is the founder of the Man That Can Project, and we are going to be talking all about the growth and the amazing stuff that he's doing. So over to you, Lockie. Thanks for having me on, Sean, and it was awesome to have that first introduction as, as you were reading almost my podcast. That was brilliant. <laughs> so <laughs> any, to- anyone wanting to know why we're laughing, I actually just re- I just started recording and introduced Sean Coffin from the Man That Can Project, but um, I'm not taking over <laughs> your persona, mate. Um, mate, you do the intro for it. <laughs> but welcome, mate. Mate, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, I'm very excited to be on here. We've obviously known each other all connected through social media and everything like that. And I love what you're doing and how you bring all these incredible groups of people and, and blokes together. And it's awesome to be able to jump on here and chew the fat with you for, for a little bit and talk about the journeys, what's happening within men's, men's world at the moment and the man at camp project as well. So super stoked, but do you just want me to dive in with a bit of, bit of background Oh, look, you might as well. I think um, listening to your story, yeah. So just for anyone that's listening as well, um, whilst we're talking to Lockie, you can find him at Lachlan Stewart. So Stewart spelled S-T-U-A-R-T or at the Man That Can Project, all one word. On the website, the themanthatcanproject.com.au and for a bit more specificity, specifically, um, specifically, Lucky is an online performance coaching for men. So he does the strong men of value. So let's listen about your history, um, what we're discussing, and then uh, we'll get later on into the strong men of value. So go for it. Sweet. Awesome. Uh, I think just like we were talking about offline, both you and myself didn't expect we'd be the kind of men we are today. And I think maybe there's people who are in a similar boat and there's also people who are where we once were, where you maybe don't like who you are or like your current situation. And you feel like being able to grow into a different version of yourself will become maybe like people you watch on, on sports screens or following business or even listening to Sean on the podcast. You don't feel like you can ever achieve that. But uh, both of our stories really uh, show that it's possible for anyone. And uh, just a quick, I guess, thing to to remind people of is when I used to listen to people speaking and people I was like oh fuck off it's always easy for those kinds of people they're done this and done that it's like I'm still your average bloke I swear a lot I I make a lot of mistakes and I'm still trying to figure out more about who I am and what I want to be and uh the journey and just owning a lot of my uh, mistakes has sort of led me to this point but uh, a lot of my upbringing was focused around sport I was fortunate enough to have parents that, you know, encouraged me and allowed me to try and do whatever I wanted. I, I skateboarded, surfed, um, ran, played rugby, played soccer, did Muay Thai, did just anything I could could do. I, I just get tried my hand at it and I just loved being active. And it was when I turned 10 or whatever that is, that's the first year you can sort of make a state team for for sport. And I made a, a state team for athletics and actually won the Queensland Championship. And it was from that moment that 
mum was like, oh, maybe we could get you a coach and, you know, you can try and win the nationals and be the best in Australia. And it just really, life progressed from that front. And from an early age, I saw value in having coaching. I saw value in um, visualization. Mum used to talk about, you know, visualize yourself running. Like, how are you going to run your race? And all of these sorts of tools and techniques that I use today that I wasn't really aware of and I actually forgot about to help me win state titles and be one of Australia's top top runners. Um, but like most of us, there comes a point where that optimism and that, that childlike manner that we have and the belief in ourselves get starts getting crushed, whether it's by um, the outside world, even some people's parents or in at the school life. And for that, for me, that happened when I went to high school, I'd obviously been pretty popular at primary school because I was a, a good athlete, but at high school, because I still skateboarded and I was quite skinny and I went to a rugby school, I got bullied a heap and I had actually quite a high voice. So I got picked on for a whole heap of things, um, being a skeg and being skinny, being a runner, everything like that. And that sort of forced me to want to put a mask on and become someone that I wasn't, even though at the time I didn't realize that's what was happening. I was like, well, fuck these guys. If they're going to pick on me, I'm going to become like them. I'm going to become the football player. So, you know, I stopped running as much and focused more on getting into the gym and learning how to catch and pass a football well and do all that sort of stuff till I became, you know, a relatively good football player. And unfortunately, like I still got picked on by my mates, but apparently when you get bullied or picked on by your mates, it's just mateship. It's a banter, what we call it. The yeah, the old bands, but uh, still for me, there was some stuff that I was taking to heart because I'd been experiencing that my whole life. So it fucking pissed me off a fair bit. And I um, went through a period from probably 15 to, or probably 14 to 16 where I uh, started actually playing rugby league and I was hanging out with some some people that liked using their fists more and their aggression more to sort out their problems. And when I started hanging out with those people, I was like, I actually enjoy this because now I've got some safety. Like if the boys at the private school that I go to are going to keep picking on me, then I'll just tell these guys and we'll get in some blues. And it's such a fucking weird mindset that that's what I was doing. But I was like, well, that's where I feel safe. And it also made me feel like I was more of a man than maybe emotionally I actually was. Uh, so I went through that period for a while and um, finishing school. Uh, I actually went out on top of, like a, a state title as a runner, but also uh, was fortunate to you know play a couple of years of first 15 rugby and then launch into life after school, which for me was trying to uh, play, make, make professional rugby. That was the, the dream after that because everyone that I hung around, the identity that I'd created for myself was like, and if you're going to be successful, rugby where, rugby's where it's at. I've been watching them on TV since I was you know, 10 years of age. They seem to have incredible lives. They get paid money. Their misses are always good looking. Like that's, that's where I want to be. And all the values we should while all I was men. <laughs> fucking oath. Exactly. Exactly what we've been spoon fed. Right. Um, and when I was fortunate, you know, I had a, had a, what I would call a long-term partner at that age. And when I even think about it, you know, I was what, 18 to 20, 21 or whatever. And I'd been with this, this bird for six years, but throughout that relationship, I'd been lying. I'd been cheating. I'd been manipulating. I'd just been an f- absolute prick of a person, but I was 
thought that because she was, you know, she was a lovely, lovely lass and really good looking, but I was like, awesome. That's ticking that good looking box for that. But I still felt really unfulfilled and really insecure. So I was, you know, obviously not aware of this at the time, but I was, you know, acting out in ways I was, you know, super jealous when she talked to people, which would lead me to be aggressive. And there was just all these poor behavioral patterns that it took me probably another four or five years to figure out that it was actually wrong because a lot of the people that I was surrounding myself with were doing the same thing. So if I'd cheat, none of the boys would be like, mate, why would you do that? That's atrocious to say like, fuck yeah, tell us a story and we won't tell the missus. And then when she would obviously find out, you'd you know, realize oh, I've made a really big mistake and I'd once again, go crawling back, trying to fix it and patch it back together um, because you realize what you've, you've lost in that moment. And, you know, for a couple of times, I actually managed to do that until uh, she left me, would have been 2011. And that just destroyed me because I knew I didn't have any second, third, fourth chances left. I was done. And she moved away from where we were living. Um, and that left me like I was in a world of hurt. I was insecure. I was watching her on social media being like, fuck, like I just want to go bash anyone who goes near her or I want to keep sending her flowers. And I just became weird, like in a way that I was just didn't know, understand what I was experiencing. The emotions were going wild. Um, and, you know, throughout finishing school until that point and for a couple of years longer, every time I had moments like that, the easiest way for me to, to deal with it was with uh, drug use, recreational drug use and alcohol. And obviously it doesn't align well with trying to be a professional athlete as well. So it was a bit contradictory there, but I, that was the easiest way for me to sort of manage myself at that point in time. Uh, but, you know, I got to a point where I was like, I can't keep doing drugs. I, it's not working well for me. It just leaves me having the tremors for the next few days. So I pissed off over to France to play some footy in the hope that that would be an opportunity for her to go, fuck, I've just made a big mistake by letting him go. And I was doing it for the wrong reasons. But what I did by escaping to France was I ended up in a country where I didn't speak the language. <clears throat> I didn't really care about playing footy. Footy was more so a way for me to feel significant and, and feel like I was doing something with my life. Because aside from sport, I didn't have anything else. It, well, I thought I didn't. Um, and so I ended up very lonely and very insecure again. So did what I did best, drinking. So the same problems followed me across the, uh, overseas. So I couldn't run away from it. And it was when I uh, moved back to Australia, I had a good nine month, or six to nine month stint where I just hit it hard. And I hated myself so fucking much. Like I just hated everything that was going on in my life. I was, you know, eating drugs and drinking to the point where I was like, I don't care if I don't wake up. I would headbutt walls. I'd wake up in girls' houses with blood everywhere because I didn't know what what I'd been punching or, you know, I still got scars all over my knuckles and forehead from it these days because I just didn't want to be here anymore. And it was 2014, yeah, 2014 um, after that period, I, I got into what was kind of a good relationship. I'd sort of just clung to it because I wanted to feel like I belonged somewhere. Uh, and once again, those same behaviors of insecurity, checking phones and just being a real prick were continuing to raise their head and I, I got caught cheating multiple times again and that relationship was done and you can see those patterns followed me for about eight years in my, eight years of my life and it was around then that a bloke that I respected who I was just playing club footy with um, gave me a book or recommended me to go to a personal development event actually 
Um, anyway, I won't talk about that too much, but I went to this event uh, and for me, it was the first time in my life where I'd actually been around people who were excited about what they were going to be doing. Like they were actually you know, high-fiving and hugging and coming from like, I was a fucking angry guy and I didn't want to be here, but to go into a room like that, first and foremost, I thought that was really fucking weird. I thought I was in like some cult um, and when they're like, when you leave this room, you're going to give 10 people hugs. I was like, yeah, you're not going to fucking touch me. I promise you that. <laughs> but when I, when I walked away from that event, I was, I just felt so empowered and so inspired because people obviously, you know, motiv- those motivational kinds of events, people share their, their stories of overcoming adversity and changing their lives. And I was, I saw a bricklayer whose story was so fucking similar to mine. And I just remember um, and I'm actually a good mate to this guy now. I just remember sitting there just like crying because I was like, fuck, that guy is telling my story. And from that moment, I, like he mentioned he was reading and he was doing all these things. I was like, cool, I'm reading. And the guy that I went to this event with gave me a book called The Four Agreements and that changed my life purely because it's the first actual self-help book I ever read. And, um, you know, the lessons that it told me, and it was the first time that I was like, Wow. I've just learned to think a little bit differently and I became so fucking hungry to find more of that because the thoughts that were in my head up until that point and my ways of dealing with things were not fun and were not working for me. And I just, you know, from that moment, I drew a line in the sand and within, I always say it's within a month, but it might've been like three months. I'd moved down to, you know, left where I was living and moved to Brisbane, um, was reading a heap, was posting stuff on social media that I was excited about and life was just going to change and I was committed to, to changing it. And that was back in 2014. And over the years, um, I've shared the highs, the lows and everything in between. And it's just had more you know, people reaching out saying, oh, how'd you do this? Or thanks for sharing that. I can really relate to it. And it sort of led me into the coaching field over the next, was that 2014? So, so the next four or five years. Um, which was, which was powerful, but I think, um, yeah, I'm not perfect now. I still struggle with anxiety. I still have moments where I'm in a, in the pit and I still, you know, have those insecure moments, but I believe I've got like this incredible toolkit of, you know, things that can help me get out of it, but just also a great support network around me that, you know, can call me on my shit when I'm dropping my standards or, you know, I just can actually talk about what's really going on when I need to, you know, I still have the banter because I do like a bit of banter, even though I was saying back then it, it ate deep at me. I still, it's good fun. Um, but yeah, that's where I am today. And it, where I am now is I, I literally never thought I'd be in this position where I run a business. I never thought I'd be capable of doing that. I'm actually happy with myself and I, I understand myself to a degree that allows me to, <clears throat> have incredible relationships and live a good quality of life. And I'm also aware that, you know, if I don't keep working at it, I can easily regress back to the shithole that I came from. Mate, that's a, it's a great story. That's like, I, I think, and this is why, I mean, this is why we connect. It's a relatable story. I think growing up, a lot of folks in Aussie culture would relate to that, um, especially if they've got issues and um, around that. So thank you very much for sharing for one. Um, I've been taking notes, just a little, little things to dive in. Cause of, yeah, it's it just, it ticks so many boxes or just elicits so much stuff. Um, I guess a couple of things that it, you've said, and before we get on to kind of like 
when we're talking about coaching and it's zero to 10, you know, shit life, good life, fives in the middle is the average. Let's say, well, let's talk, talk for a little bit about the, you know, the probably two to five. And then you probably, I'd say more, you know, getting guys from, you know, the five to the sevens to the nines to the tens. Um, so we'll get into that um, to kind of frame up the conversation. And so you're three to five kind of, I, I look at the same, um, the shit that I'd done to ex-girlfriends, definitely 100% not um, proud of, um, you know, embarrassed about um, the actions that I'd done when out. Loved playing footy, especially the physical side of it. Loved the white line fever um, type of thing. And, you know, and, and it's a cultural thing that you go into because of, I think your story just shows environment. Like one of the things that I got out of your um, that conversation, what we talk about is, environments and cultures that we're putting people into um because you look and go if you that self-help book if you look at the rugby guys that you were hanging around with when you were getting into fights and you know going on the drugs and you would have come up and talked about self-help books and do all that <laughs> i can see so like how do you think they, their response would have been <laughs> they would have just looked at me with a like I'm some weirdo who's just been on an ayahuasca trip in fucking India. Like yeah. it, it was so foreign. And to be honest, um, Sean, like I didn't even know books like that existed. So I think first and foremost, I would have had to explain to them what was, it was actually about because I'd literally never in my life knew that there was books where you could improve because I just wasn't interested in reading. Like all I got shoved down my throat at school was bloody to kill a mockingbird and Shakespeare stuff, which I had no interest in. So it was never something that I really explored. But if, you know, even when I did, cause I did look, I did, cause I, I got into network marketing, right. And obviously with network marketing, it's all about selling products and stuff. So I was talking to my mates about everything. They saw what I was doing and a lot of friendships I don't have anymore as a result of that. And it, you know, I'd say majority of it's because, you know, I was telling them about this product and all that sort of stuff, but also because I was growing so much, it made, I became different and weird because I think a lot of us maybe go through, I hope a lot of us go through it. I see people going through this phase where we're so excited that we realize we have more control over our life than we first thought. That's pretty fucking exciting. So I was continually talking about it. And when you're speaking to people who like when, if someone had spoken to me about this, 10 years ago, you would have gone straight over my head. I would not have been able to connect to it or relate with it at all. So a lot of the boys cut me out of their life. I had Facebook pages made about me, uh, all kinds of stuff, but it's come a long way since 2014 in terms of one, how I talk about it and understanding not everyone wants to hear about it and how to sort of build rapport. Like I didn't have that, that communication skill back then. Um, but it, yeah, it's definitely come a long way, but I wish knowing what I know now, I'd have had more blokes sort of like what, you know, what you do and what I do now is like, we can share posts or ask questions that get the conversation starting started where blokes can you know, have the conversation in the way that feels good to them, whether it is using big, crazy words and doing a whole heap of stuff like that, or if it's just two blokes sipping on a beer, going, mate had a shit week at work or having a shit time with my missus. Cause I never once spoke about me feeling insecure in a relationship. None of the mate, none of my mates did. Yeah. You don't do that. And I think, 
I think with that, and that's, I, I love the mis, like, kind of like changing the stereotypes that we're talking about because of that culture of going instead of, yeah, you know, you get onto the self help um, growth side and that, but the power of not changing kind of like who you are and what you do shows that uh, you can still go out, have beers, enjoy the footy, you know, enjoy the banter, do all that. But there's nothing wrong in that group of talk, which we should be in those groups talking about your emotions, your connections, issues you've got. But um, there's nothing. I think when you're in that culture, you risk getting into the whole, it's the Wakanda thing. You know, we don't do that here. And, you know, it's like, oh, what? No, mate, we're, we're rugby players. We don't, uh, we don't do self-help books. Whereas it's the cult changing. It's it, you then get out of that area. But it, these conversations change that where it's like, we can play rugby. We can get on the beers. We can enjoy the physical side of rugby. We can also help to like develop ourselves personally and grow and learn more about our empathy, about our um, emotions, our internal emotions, our reactions and have those discussions and talk about our vulnerabilities. And we've all got relationships. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like you're bringing, I, I love how you're bringing that back. You're still relatable to being that rugby player. And you don't shy away from that. I think the most important thing with all of that, as you just mentioned, Sean, is like it's accountability, right? We hold ourselves based on what we believe a rugby player to be, like the identity around it. We hold ourselves accountable to that. If you were to bring someone new into a rugby environment, I guarantee you in six to 12 months, they would be fucking thinking, acting and behaving very similar to how most of the boys are acting because we hold them accountable. It's like when you finish footy, we're going to smash some tins and we're going to go back to the clubhouse and have a good time. And then you're going to chase some tail. That's generally what happens. Or you, you know, you have that whole experience and it's accountability on that front. If you try to not, you know, if you go home early without having beers, like the boys will let you know about it. So there's so many of us who are unaware that it's already happening. So as you mentioned, what I believe is, is happening and it's, brilliant that it's happening is more of us are holding ourselves and our mates to a higher level of accountability and ownership around the fact that, Hey, as you mentioned, let's, let's have a good laugh. Let's sink a few beers, do this, that, and the other, but tell me how you're really feeling, what's really going on in your life. So that when stuff hits a fan for you, I, I, you know, I have the context around it and I can be here to support you because we, as you mentioned, we all have relationships. Relationship breakdowns is one of the main reasons blokes take their life by suicide. Financial struggles, we all deal with that. You know, you're in your fifth lockdown right now, Sean. <laughs> so there's, there's all these things that are impacting us as blokes and we can't just sit there and go, I'm fucking good. It doesn't work. And, you know, your shirt says, I'm showing up. You're holding, you're showing up and you're raising the standard of the blokes around you, the people who listen to this podcast, the people who jump on your page. But it's just raising the standard and going, right, well, you're welcome to drink beers with me. And people, this is what I said. I, I only work with people or invite people into our community if I think I would have a beer for you because there's some people I just wouldn't. So why would I hang around with them? But if you're going to have a beer with me, you better be prepared to listen to me when I feel like <laughs> being, being vulnerable or, you know, you better be, better be prepared to answer some questions. Like if, you, if I ask you how life's going, I want to be able to build that relationship with you. And we want to build that within our community. That's well, just what connection. we It's building better connection. Like, you know, ask third and fourth questions and get to know people because of that connection is what's going to remove like the loneliness um, side of it. And, you, and, and it was a common thing. And um, 
we talk about we say culture in sporting club because of or, or blokes culture because that's you know I love that you talk about that and it's one of my mates who had um, suicided and he had like 400 people at his funeral and it was massive in the sporting community and it, it rung through to me when someone had said that looking at all these people here, you know, he could have talked, you know, there's so many people that he could have spoken to about whatever was going through his issues. Um, and the thing that struck with me is that it wasn't that he couldn't speak about the, to those people is he didn't feel that he could, the environment, the culture, the, the kind of setting wasn't there. And that's where we need to just kind of be aware of, or I guess that's me taking accountability. So not preaching and saying it, people have to, it's, my view is that if we create the culture, we go, mate, let's get on the beers after the game. And, and I'll say to you, you know, how's things with the missus? Or you're going home and he's like, oh, you know, you, you see the signs. Oh, yeah, I've got to go home to the missus. Oh, what's wrong? Oh, things aren't great. Anything up tonight? You know, is there anything that's going to be, no, nah, not really. Cool. Let's keep on the beers. Let's have a couple of, like, have a bit of fun. But give me a ring Tuesday. Let's go for a coffee Tuesday and let's chat about it. And, and that's because of, we can't we can't get lost in the misconception that it means that okay instead of footy beers and just you know dancing at the at the club at night all of a sudden it's footy couple of mid strength beers and then we all sit in a circle and cry like you know it's that's 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 not going to happen but it's create it's evolving the environment where then uh, banter you you talk about banter and say the drinking side of it if you don't want to drink and that's an important differentiation between if someone's not drinking we need to support that for an example because our natural reaction in that environment is a bit of banter like oh mate come on it's just a couple of beers that don't be pussy or that but um what we then outside of it and all the conversations are having about it is that you know alcohol is a massive problem for people that have any have a bad relationship with it that then it affects their personal relationships with their partners um it affects their mindset which then you know there's a massive link to suicide so it's the banter of, oh, come on, mate, do me pussy doesn't seem that bad. And when we kind of go, oh, you know, let's stop that out. And everyone goes, oh, no, it's just harmless. But, but it's not. And it could, it, it's just, it's more powerful if we change it to, oh, how come you're not drinking? Oh, look, you know, actually, um, not that great on the piss and, you know, things aren't great at home. So just thought, you know, I'm not just going to ease off on the beers and go, perfect. Not a problem, mate. Do you want me to get you a water? Do you want me to get you a Diet Coke? Versus, yeah, and, and then you kind of go, oh, actually, like, this is acceptable. And then you don't, because I always say, out of 44 blokes in a footy club, you might have four that actually have a problem with alcohol. Now, you're going to get two that probably don't realise they have a problem and probably two that realise they have a problem but don't want to talk about it. So they just get that peer pressure to keep drinking. And as a person, what do I want to be with those blokes? So I want to be the supportive guy that helps them through that or the guy doesn't really think about it and his banters. So anyway, that's my rant. Thanks for some TED talk. <laughs> hey, I, I, love it. I was about to just go <laughs> nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. And I think that's the discussions that we have where it, it's amazing. Kind of like what we're seeing with guys, like you talk about jealousy, um, like your internal emotions and then your reactions. Um, something that I think affects so many guys. Um, I definitely was where you have, these triggers and then a reaction you react you react out um normally base level and that's where you know it's check you know where are you going what are you doing and 
Um, I don't want you going out to seeing that person or um, that type of even to the point like you hear the stories, you know, rocking up to the pub where your missus is out on a, on a hen's night. Um, yeah. And they're like, what are you doing here? Because if, in your mind, you're drumming stuff up because you're not in tune with your emotions. So it's, talk us through your view, views on that. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's not a fun place to be in. Like I still, I'm so grateful with my relationship now with my fiance, but in previous relationships like my relationships were always good like I think most relationships start well and it is once I think it was more just a shadow of myself you know I thought my last partner was cheating on me because I knew I'd been cheating on her so I thought if I show up and say all this nice stuff to her then chances are she could be doing it to me also and then when there were you know a message from a bloke or I'd say she'd be at a a party or something with her ex-boyfriend my brain was instantly like, if I was in that situation, well, I'd had a few beers and was a bit toey. I'd probably have a, have a chop, right? So then I'm thinking, fuck, she's doing that. And I would just, as you said, I would go, righto, she's doing it. She's going to this event. It's going to happen. It has to happen. So then I'd be messaging her, fucking causing fights over nothing uh, just because I was like, I need to feel significant. I need to have her thinking about me or I need to ruin her night so she doesn't get the opportunity to do what I think she's going to do, even though it was probably never going to happen. And I see it, I speak to blokes all the time who a lot of us deal with that insecurity and not feeling worthy, not feeling good enough. And we can find the smallest little specks of something that we can go, this is exactly where the story starts. And and we just build it, build it, build it, build it. And obviously, you know, like something rolling downhill, it just gathers dust to go with it. And it just becomes overbearing to the point where we can't manage it anymore. We react and lash out in a way that, you know, most of us blokes, I know for myself, I, the next morning I'd wake up and be like, fuck, I'm so sorry. Like, I was just being an asshole. I'd ha- and then you'd look to blame it on the beers or whatever. You don't, you never take responsibility for the fact. No that, accountability. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was never once, never once did I go, fuck, maybe I should one stop cheating, but maybe I'm just really jealous. Maybe I need to work out what the fuck is going on in my own head or what I'm feeling because it just was an uncomfortable feeling. And yeah what I'd done for a long time was just run anytime stuff got uncomfortable. I didn't deal with it. It was just like, let's, let's do whatever I can to run away from it. And as most, or a lot of blokes experience is like when you do make those stupid remarks or um, cause a fight over nothing, the next day you're like, fuck, I just wish I could stop doing that. But it's the emotion that causes us to keep doing it because a lot of blokes, myself included, I wanted to be better. I didn't want to keep, feeling that or experiencing that or causing issues over something that I knew probably wasn't to be true. But once your mind gets a hold of you, it's, it's really hard to, or when you don't understand how to manage your emotions or even understand your emotions, it's really hard to um, have control over them. I think understanding your emotions is a massive one. Um, and like looking within, because if the story resonates with me and I kind of like people go, um, you know, you talk about doing the work, what is the work and, um, an easy answer for, to start with is asking yourself why. So if, you know, if you're a guy out there listening, you're like, cool, I'm in this cycle and I, I see myself doing it and it may not be relationship 
based, but it may just be, you know, going out and taking drugs on the weekend and feeling like shit and then getting up for work the next morning and having to get through the day and, you know, that um, perpetual cycle or drinking and, but it's asking about why. And then I guess the answer, does that then fit with your values? So, you know what, you might be <laughs> not, not give an excuse to every guy that there are pricks out there. why am i cheating on my missus and doing all this shit and going out and getting drunk well is it because of that i just want to be an arsehole and is that my value and it fits cool keep going because you know you think cool you just prick but you know i give credit to most guys that it doesn't align with their values and they're just doing it but they're not sitting there they're reflecting and going and when they do start reflecting then it's like oh this is uncomfortable so i might go start drinking again um but ask yourself kind of like why you're doing what you're doing um they, they, they start questioning stuff when it's too late. Yeah. Like when the relationship, the missus has moved out or your partner's moved out or you find yourself locked up or whatever it is, that's when we do it. And it, that's why so many people hit what they would perceive or call rock bottom moment where it's like, this is the worst possible fucking position I could be in that we start going, I need to start. Well, some people don't. Some people obviously you know, take their, take their life by their own hands, which is such a shame because everyone has so much potential, but then there's other people as well who equally go, I can't like where I was, it's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm so much better than this. And we start thinking differently. We start wanting to be challenged and we start running at all the problems that come at us. I, I, yeah, it's the rock bottom. And I say, yeah, I look within but I've had like multiple relationships and included like ending in a divorce um, before I met my fiance now. And that was the one thing that I can, um, the success that I've had is because at each of those drops in my life, I've questioned myself and I've learned more from myself and I've evolved and cool. I've kept making, you know, I have made decisions that are like the wrong decisions after that for the right reasons. I always say, but I continually each time go, cool. What this wasn't a failure, but what can I learn about that and bring into my next relationship? Um, And I think what these conversations and um, we'll get now onto like your coaching, but I think that rock bottom is what I'm looking at because the story that's repeated often with, and, and you know it from guys that come to you and you hear it and you know, it's prevalent in society is this person changed when they hit rock bottom. I lost my jobs. I was on drugs. I was suicidal. I got divorced. I was all this stuff. Um, and that seems to be when guys start waking up and, and start wanting to question and reevaluate everything. And I'll go a step further which is I say a lot on the podcast and we just talk about the beers and just that culture of asking questions is uh, it's how things going. Yeah. All right. And then you'll do that once, you know, every game that you play at footy and then six months later, the guy will come up and go, Oh, you know, he's a wreck of a man or he's not rocking up to footy. You go, what's happening? Oh mate, I'm getting divorced. And it's like, what do you mean you're getting divorced? Mate? The last six months, every week I've asked you how you were. You never said there was anything. With the, oh yeah. It wasn't that bad, but, now and it's like the conversation is that if you deal with not bad it won't get to bad to worse to extreme and you start talking about the relationships and men are amazing still at being open and going yeah cool i went through the same issue with my partner or with my job career or with my purpose in life or with my relationship with alcohol and we start realizing when we open up we are actually a wealth of knowledge 
um, but it stops you getting down to that rock bottom, which I don't want to see you guys get to. And it's, rock, sorry, yep, go. You know, you finish. So, um, yeah. So, and that that was basically, I want guys to. We're all going to go down in the curve um, or, or back in life and go through stuff that we have to deal with. But the more we actually just talk about it open without judgment and have that culture, the more that we can just stop going down to, you know, your fours, your threes, your twos and ones in life and just hover around, you know, your, your five to four. And then you talk about it, you get back up to your sixes and sevens um, <clears throat> to stop that. So I guess that's where you're, you, you come in as well with a man that can project. So um, what are your thoughts on that? And then tell us about what you do. Yeah, I think from that rock bottom point, it is so common that you hear a lot of people that maybe look at or successful sports stars have come from some tough upbringing, like more often than not, just because the work ethics there. And when I sort of came out of, and once again, everyone's rock bottom is relative to, you know, their own experiences in life. Some people you might go, how's that a rock bottom moment? But once again, you're looking at through your own eyes, whereas some people are like, holy shit, I could not fathom that. Um, so whatever you feel is that moment for you or even near that moment, that's completely cool, right? That's relative to you. Um, but what I experienced when I thought about it, I was like, okay, well, prior to that moment in my life, and this is going to lead into what you're saying with the sixes and all of that sort of stuff. But prior to that life, what, uh, that life prior to sort of sorting my shit out, what was different <clears throat> And the, if I could put it down to one thing, it was just ownership. Or as you say, I'm showing up. I'd been running and avoiding and trying to deflect responsibility for so long in my life because if I didn't have responsibility, I couldn't be fully to blame. But I could never fully get to where I wanted to get to. And so many of us are just trying to survive. We're in survival mode, whether it's financially, in our relationships, in our work life, with our physical health. We're doing the bare fucking minimum because we don't believe anything better is available for us. We don't believe we can thrive. And I know for myself, I put a cap on what I thought was possible because I'd kept fucking up. I kept hanging around the same people. So when I saw people thriving, once again, I was deflecting responsibility. I was not taking ownership and I was just going, look, they got, you know, they inherited that money or they got lucky with that job or that girl's going to see through him shortly rather than just going, awesome, I'm stoked for them. That's brilliant. Now, what can I do to better improve my situation? So when I decided I wanted to go from that rock bottom guy that I didn't enjoy being was just, okay, well, what can I do to better improve my situations? And as I mentioned, it was taking an opportunity and learning to say yes to more things and read and change my situations and the way that I thought. Any fuck-ups that I make, I own. I talk about it. And that has completely changed my life. So while we can dive into, there's so many things you can dive into around going from like a a rock bottom to a five to a six, it's all relative to you as an individual, right? That's why as a coach, I don't want to be holding someone's hand for the rest of their life. I don't believe people need fucking coaches. We're all more competent than we realize. We just have been so conditioned to rely upon people or be told what to do. We suck at problem solving. We suck at asking questions. So it's just simple, like, what do, you, what do you want from life? I don't know, right? I will stop fucking deflecting responsibility again. Give me a fucking answer. What do you want? If you don't know what you want, say, well, if I were to know what I want, what would it be? And just start giving yourself a ballpark answer so you can go, okay, well, if that's what I think I want, let's now work towards it. 
if it isn't what I want, I'm going to own that. I didn't waste time. I just have more clarity around who I am, what I like, what I don't like, what's working well for me, what's not working well for me, skills to learn, blah, 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 blah. And then we go, okay, well, do I want to completely change direction? Because that's definitely not where I want to be. Or do I just want to take a step to the left and slightly change things? But it's always about what can I do to be in control of that? That gets people to go from a three to a four to a five to a, I don't ever think we hit a 10 because I think, <laughs> I think uh, you know, even myself, I'd probably say I'm at a seven because as priorities in my life change, energy goes into different situations. So if I look at my business right now, it's not where I want it to be. It's not where it was 12 months ago, but because I've given myself more time this year to spend on my, I'm getting married this year. So I'm spending more time on being present in that, spending more time with my mates, which I'm loving. But then when I sit down in the office, I get a little bit disheartened because I'm like, fuck, not achieving, but I take full ownership that my energy and time hasn't been there. Not, not that poor me, like everything's not happening. And same with when my relationship goes to shit. If I haven't been investing time in it, it's my fault. I read a quote where 50% of the problem in anything in life, you know, cause that way we can go, Oh, COVID's happening. And we're talking, we won't go down this route, but that's happening to me. But what can I do to be a hundred percent of the solution? Right. There's so many things that we can do and it's not always the best case scenario, but if it gets us moving forward through a tough time, when stuff goes back to the, the beautiful times, you've got another feather in your cap. I think that I think that ownership is that ownership's massive, and I think how you've said that is great because um, it, it's the power is actually within the people, like within within yourself, and that's what motivates me. Is just we can get stuck into that victimhood mentality, we can get stuck into that external thing. And some of them are legit, some of them are legit, but it's about going cool. How do you pivot around that, or how do you you know how do you work on what you actually have? Um, without making excuses and relationships, you know, as you said, it can be, it's, it's so easy to fall into the trap of they're doing this. That's their fault. They're this versus go, well, how do you want to show up? Are you showing up? How you? And it's a coach Carter is a movie um, that great I film. absolutely love. Huh? It's a great film. Oh, and it's, it's uh, uh, that remember and remember the Titans. I recommend everyone watch. Um, but I remember Samuel L. Jackson, and he was trying to get his team to, you know, as you were saying, you know, take ownership. We need to grow. This is how you grow. And they didn't sledge or anything, but they were playing against a team that was sledging. And so they started, the, the boys started sledging. And I remember, and you can just imagine Samuel L. Jackson playing typical Samuel L. Jackson. And he's pulled one of the kids up and they're like, he's like, what the fuck was that? He's like, oh, but coach, they were sledging. He goes, I don't, I don't fucking care what those motherfuckers are doing. They can do whatever they want. We don't do that. That's not what we do. Um, and he's like, you know, so go out there and you, we play how we want to play. And that's like, it just it resonated with me of going, cool, if I'm doing something reacting to someone else, then they're, they're taking control or I, I lose control of myself versus what do I want to do? And taking that ownership of what have I, even with friendships, I've done it where I've gone, okay, instead of bitching about someone not wanting to catch up or that I kind of go, well, how have I shown up in that relationship? Mm. When was the last time that I went to theirs and caught up or gave them a ring or when did I do that? And I found that the more that I then showed up and the more that I would then put in the effort, the more that that would come back to me positively. Yep. Like, 
it, it's it's my it's my responsibility. So it's the biggest game change, like the, the most simple game changer, game changing thought process to develop is just literally. I, you know, we all need accountability. We all need a good environment, but if we're in control, even when stuff goes to shit, it's like, okay, well, what can I do to improve my situation right now? And if you don't know, rather than just going, I don't know, and sitting there and getting all upset about it, jump on fucking Google and type it in or find a book on, on a topic like relationships is, you know, it's some, it's something that we're seeing a lot in our community at the moment is relationship breakdown. So I'm reading that many books and recommending that many books and podcasts on relationships at the moment, because it's, it's such a, everyone, as you, we spoke about earlier, everyone experiences relationships, but how have we ever been taught how to improve our relationships or to have a thrive, not just a survival, you know, we thrive at the start when we give time and attention and then life gets in the way and we just plateau and we wonder why, we don't feel valued, wonder why we don't feel heard and loved and, you know, have all our dreams and desires met because we're not investing time into it. So as with everything else, we need to invest time in it and we need to learn to improve that. And that comes through communication, through learning love languages, through uh, understanding yourself more, right? Because if you don't understand yourself, you can't enforce or set boundaries and expectations and have the hard conversations, right? And once again, none of that is going to happen if you don't sit back and go, one of, one of my, I'll share a personal one with me at the moment. Whenever my, like Amy's gone away on a hen's party, I was so pumped last night to have one last date night together because that's what we planned. And then it turned out she had a writing session in the States. I was like, fuck, I'm not going to see her for four days. And I find myself getting bitter. Like I, I still do get so pissed off about that that I shut down. And when she'll go for a hug and a kiss, I'll just be like, mm. and I know, like I, I'm, I'm aware of this now. But that's also me catching myself now going, look, this, if you continue this behavior, this is going to make you bitter at her. It's going to make a bit of tension in the relationship. So do what you do when you love her most, which is love her, give her a kiss, give her a hug and do these things. And it's me, once again, being aware of the poor habits that I have, the, the poor way that I show up and owning it and going, cool, you're just acting like a little baby right now. Fucking mate get into it and uh, you'll, you'll notice that within five, 10 minutes, you'll be back where you were those, those disappointing thoughts that you're having or the, whatever it comes up for me when I experience that is it'll, it'll pass. But if I choose to be a victim, it's going to get worse. That, that's a great story because of, and, and not in being a victim as well, because if you kind of go, you, you're taking ownership and accountability and it's realizing where you've gone up and down because I get the same and it's that when I guess what we've shown hopefully is that, you know, wherever you are in life, you can get to wherever you want to be, whether, you know, I'm at a certain level, you're at a certain level, there are people above us, there are people above them. And they're, you know, everyone's at their own growth stage, but um, I still have the same issues with Danny Allen. We, and like you and Amy, you know, we get along and understand each other's emotions. We have great communication, but it doesn't mean that, but we both still have natural human responses and actions. And, you know, if there's stress, it's just like, you know, what's wrong? Nothing. Don't worry about it. Or like, you know, you, you take stuff. Mate, I've got a six month old baby boy. So the last six months has been a lot of just reactionary. Believe me. I mean, the biggest, uh, I remember, um, yeah, two o'clock in the morning and, um, I'd done everything. I changed him, um, 
tried the dory and burped him and everything and got like, cool i need to feed him it takes me five minutes to get the bottle warm because of i don't know boobs and um <laughs> all this stress all the heightened stuff and danielle comes out you know two, two thirty in the morning and she's absolutely knackered and she just tried to be helpful and being like oh maybe um you know maybe he needs some some feed like to be fed and mate two thirty in the morning i with all this uh, crying baby stress going i'm just like you fucking think like yeah i'm trying to do that but i can't get and, and i'm like cool and i'm like okay sorry but then I can see that playing out in that heightened thing. And I'm like, that's what I'm trying to do, but I've got to, I've accidentally overboiled the water. I've got to cool down. So, and then she's like, okay, sorry. And then the next morning, it's like, look, sorry for acting like that. We both understood where it was. Um, I knew the process. So next time, you know, it's right. I've got it. It's just, it takes me a bit longer. So it's talking through it, but there are many examples of where shit just goes wrong. And it's not about having a perfect relationship where shit doesn't go wrong. It's, catching yourself out and putting the work and that inner work and the accountability and going, I need to know my triggers um, because it happens. And I think what I'll leave on for this, um, because I'm guaranteeing to get you back on to the podcast as well to talk about um, plenty of other stuff. And for anyone listening as well, go to strong men of value and go to like the man that can project um, au and at the man that can project. Um, but I think as, what I love that you started on was that developing and growing yourself because we get into a cycle of just probably being a passive culture or just passively living life where we think, okay, you know, I'm a rugby player, um, you know, going out with the boys, self-development isn't what we do, but, and then it's, oh, they're lucky or they get this, but it is actually something you can do. And I, you know, hopefully people that listen to this follow the Instagram page and, Thankfully, I get compliments on my um, articulation in my writing and people, oh, you put it into words so well. Um, I went to a very low grade English school <laughs> type thing. Um, I, but when I was at uni in um, doing my theses and stuff and I got marked down massively on my grammar because I was just ridiculously shit at it. Um, and I complained and said, well, that's not very fair. Like I never got taught any of this stuff you're talking about at my high school um and then the teacher said well you know well what are you gonna do about it and i'm like okay well and i i was a smart ass and i pushed back on her and said well if you're gonna grade me on something then you have the right to teach me if, you, if you're not going to teach me stuff you can't grade me on it and she called me and called me on it and said okay cool well i'm gonna have you know every week for the next six weeks on thursday afternoon she knew it was when it was you know uni night to get on the piss she goes 5 30 <laughs> every thursday for the next six weeks i'm going to run a class on grammar anyone can come but i and that you can choose to come there and i'm like fuck now i've got to go and i went there every for six weeks and i learned so much uh, about articulation about grammar about writing and stuff and and it was in, but it was power empowering to me and same thing learning about the relationships i just think that from what you've said and you're just a massive role model for it of you can still just be an everyday bloke and love all this shit, but be proud and empowered and take accountability. And just, if you don't know something or you think I'd love to have that aspect of my life better, search for it, learn it, grow about it and then see where you get to. Yeah. It's as, as Malcolm Gladwell says, like if you're still alive, you've got a lot to learn. Like, and you just get to decide which areas of your life, you know, you want to improve things on based around what quality 
or yeah, how you want your life to look like in those areas. If you want to have, if money's important to you, if, if that sort of stuff's important to you, go learn about it. If relationships are really important to you, go learn how to improve that. And don't just think because it's good now. Preparation is always better than cure. So if, you know, you, I'm really healthy, right? But I'm still staying up with the current, I always learning about what's going on in the health world and how to get healthier, how to recover my body because one day I might not be healthy. So I need to try and continue to compound on the knowledge that I have and relationships are really important to me. So that's why I spend a lot of time in, in same with, you know, I want to have a family one day. So I'm starting to learn about all these sorts of things because there's divorce rates are so high and um, children with our dads and stuff like that is so high. So it's like, well, I want to make sure that I'm never in that position through education and rather doing it on crunch time. I want to get ahead of the game and I still get to do everything else. It's ironic that you say that because you look and go, well, maybe those, um, those results are because we don't have the encouragement and, you know, necessarily the culture where you take ownership accountability and empowered positively to go, you're going to have a kid or you're going to get married. Do as much as you can to learn. I remember um, when Danielle was going through labor, <laughs> I laugh because of it. Um, I brought for the labor room, I brought Steve Bidoff um, raising boys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was just laughing because of literally we're in the hospital room. She's um, got the epidural. She's in kind of in having contractions and stuff like that. And I'm sitting almost like cramming for a test. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, I've literally got two hours until this thing comes out. I need to read this. I need to read this book. I should have read this before type thing, but it's, you know, that's what um, we need to, I, I guess, you know, that's what I love about what you do is it's the empowering of guys sort your shit out be proud to go and learn about more stuff. And it could be anything. It could be fitness. It could be account, um, finance, for instance, but you are accountable. I know that it, um, I put on weight between first COVID lockdown to now. Cause I got my wedding soon and I don't fit into the fucking suit, but that's my reason. I can say it's because of COVID lockdown. I can say it's because of, I've had it, you know, we've had a kid and stuff, but I know that it's because of, I haven't eaten right. I haven't drank right. And I haven't worked out enough. But that's cool because if I kind of look and go, I've given myself that time. I spent a month going to gym, but I had no energy at night, 11.30 feet. I had no energy with Brooklyn, which meant that my patience was really thin um, for a crying baby. So I'm like, cool, this isn't the value that I, this isn't important now. Finance is another one where guys, you know, if you're out there and you, your finances and you're living paycheck to paycheck, you don't know where you're going, educate yourself, get, you know, the barefoot travel, uh, barefoot investor, just little things and start follow pages that talk about it. So yeah, just mate, sorry, we could keep going on. I want to keep, I don't want to have too long a podcast. So um, absolutely. Thank you for coming on, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on, mate. I'm looking at your whiskeys and stuff in the background. I think the whiskey, I can't really, bit of alcohol. Is that uh, whiskey back there? Yeah. You got copper dog whiskey, singleton. Um, you've actually got a $200 bottle of tequila, which will be drank tomorrow night. That's lockdown. May not, people may not agree with it, but lockdown is where the nice spirits just come out and just have a little bit of time to relax and just go, I can't do anything about this. I'm going to have a nice bottle of spirits. Mate, I got myself, uh, I think I've got, Amy got me four bottles of scotch, not to drink all at once, obviously, but <laughs> I got my bucks party and I haven't drank for five, six weeks now. And she's like, it's probably a good idea if you get away with the boys this weekend just to wet the whistle a little bit. So next weekend at the Bucks party, you don't go from zero to 100. So you're going to get a few scotches and chill out. 
I I absolutely love that. I love I love having a supportive partner. My business is the same, but it's it's that understanding of going theoretically. It's great to say you know maybe don't drink until the bucks because if you know you're going to go hard. Yep. But the reality is, you know, you've got to season yourself a little bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you don't go into a marathon without a couple of runs beforehand and, you know, warm, warm everything up a little bit. So, mate, enjoy your weekend away. Uh, and and I, I love what you said. I mean, one one time when you had a Bucks weekend and, you know, it may resonate. You go, look, don't book anything after the two, three days after the Bucks weekend because, you know, you're not going to be performing at your best, but it doesn't mean you don't enjoy and have fun. Yeah. 100%. I'm going to be hurting. Mate, thank you very much. Thanks, brother. Okay, that's another wrap-up of another podcast. Thanks for everyone that's listening. Thanks to the guests that are on. Um, if you want to support us, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, but mainly leave a comment, um, especially with the episode that you've listened to and the guest that was on. Um, show some support for them. Go give them a follow. Jump over to Instagram. Make sure you follow us over there. And to help out guys, if you see any content that you think is valuable, make sure you share it. Tag us in the stories because we all know that's the best way to help guys is just to put it out there and let them grab it. Um, if any of these stories or conversations have triggered anything for you emotionally, make sure you go and speak to Lifeline, Beyond Blue or a mental health professional. See you in the next episode.